Letter twelve of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. Pamela, volume two, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twelve. From Lady Davers to Mrs. B. My dear Pamela, you very much oblige me by your cheerful compliance with my request. I leave it entirely to you, to write as you shall be in the humour, when you take up your pen, and then I shall have you write with less restraint. For you must know that what we admire in you are truth and nature, not studied or elaborate epistles. We can hear at church or read in our closets fifty good things that we expect not from you, but we cannot receive from anybody else the pleasure of sentiments flowing with that artless ease which so much affects us when we read your letters. Then, my sweet girl, your gratitude, prudence, integrity of heart, your humility, shine so much in all your letters and thoughts that no wonder my brother loves you as he does. But I shall make you proud. I doubt, and so by praise ruin those graces which we admire, and but for that cannot praise you too much. In my conscience, if thou canst hold as thou hast begun, I believe thou wilt have him all to thyself, and that was more than I once thought any woman on this side the seventieth year of his age would ever be able to say. The letters to and from your parents we are charmed with, and the communicating of them to me I take to be as great an instance of your confidence in me as it is of your judgment and prudence. For you cannot but think that we, his relations, are a little watchful over your conduct, and have our eyes upon you, to observe what use you are likely to make of your power over your man with respect to your own relations. Hitherto all is unexampled prudence, and you take the right method to reconcile even the proudest of us to your marriage, and make us not only love you, but respect your parents, for their honesty will, I perceive, be their distinguishing character, and they will not forget themselves, nor their former condition. I can tell you, you are exactly right, for if you were to be an encroacher, as the good old man calls it, my brother would be the first to see it, and would gradually think less and less of you, till possibly he might come to despise you, and to repent of his choice, for the least shadow of an imposition, or low cunning, or mere selfishness, he cannot bear. In short, you are a charming girl, and Lady Betty says so too, and moreover adds, that if he makes you not the best and faithfulest of husbands, he cannot deserve you, for all his fortune and birth, and in my heart I begin to think so too. But won't you oblige me with the sequel of your letter to your father? For you promise, my dear charming scribbler, in that you sent me to write again to his letter, and I long to see how you answer the latter part of it, about your relations desiring already to come and live with him. I know what I expect from you, but let it be what it will. Send it to me exactly as you wrote it, and I shall see whether I have reason to praise or reprove you. For surely, Pamela, you must leave one room to blame you for something, 
Indeed, I can hardly bear the thought that you should so much excel as you do, and have more prudence by nature, as it were, than the best of us get in a course of the genteelest educations, and with fifty advantages at least, in conversation, that you could not have, by reason of my mother's retired life, while you were with her, and your close attendance on her person. But I'll tell you what has been a great improvement to you. It is your own writings. This itch of scribbling has been a charming help. For here, having a natural fund of good sense, and prudence above your years, you have, with the observations these have enabled you to make, been flint and steel too, as I may say to yourself, so that you have struck fire when you pleased, wanting nothing but a few dry leaves, like the first pair in old Dubartas, to serve as tinder to catch your animating sparks, so that reading constantly, and thus using yourself to write, and enjoying besides a good memory, everything you heard and read became your own, and not only so, but was improved by passing through more salubrious ducts and vehicles, like some fine fruit grafted upon a common free-stock, whose more exuberant juices served to bring to quicker and greater perfection the downy peach, or the smooth nectarine, with its crimson blush. Really, Pamela, I believe I too shall improve by writing to you. Why, you dear saucy face, at this rate, you'll make every one that converses with you better and wiser and wittier too, as far as I know, than they ever before thought there was room for em to be. As to my own part, I begin to like what I have written myself, I think, and your correspondence may revive the poetical ideas that used to fire my mind before I entered into the drowsy married life. For my good Lord Davis's turn happens not to be to books, and so by degrees my imagination was in a manner quenched, and I, as a dutiful wife, should endeavour to form my taste by that of the man I chose. But after all, Pamela, you are not to be a little proud of my correspondence, and I could not have thought it ever would have come to this. But you will observe that I am the more free and unreserved to encourage you to write without restraint, for already you have made us a family of writers and readers so that Lord Davis himself is become enamoured of your letters, and desires of all things he may hear read every one that passes between us. Nay, Jackie, for that matter, who was the most thoughtless, whistling, sauntering fellow you ever knew, and whose delight in a book ran no higher than a song or a catch, now comes in with an enquiring face, and vows he'll set pen to paper, and turn letter-writer himself and intends, if my brother won't take it amiss, he says, to begin to you, provided he could be sure of an answer. I have twenty things still to say, for you have unlocked all our bosoms, and yet I intended not to write above ten or a dozen lines when I began, only to tell you that I would have you take your own way, in your own subjects and in your style, and if you will but give me hope, that you are in the way I so much wish to have you in. I will then call myself your affectionate sister, but till then it shall only barely be your correspondent. B. Davers, you'll proceed with the account of your Kentish affair 
I doubt not. End of letter 12